Today's episode is brought to you by Stinging Nettles. Stinging Nettle is a one-stop versatile product available in most places that your van will go. It can be made into a tasty and nutritious soup, there are natural antihistamine which is great for allergies, or you can even brew it up into a passable wine. And because it's a weed, nobody even cares when you forage for it. Stinging Nettles, harvest a bunch for yourself today! Not available in the Sahara Desert. Do not eat raw. Always wash dog piss off before use. Welcome to All Points In Between, the travel podcast that never asks for directions because it knows where it's going. This is going to be part of um, a series that's beginning to emerge where people come and talk to me about different types of food. I think they're trying to explain to me that food is an integral and indeed an enjoyable part of travel as opposed to it just being an item that I put in my mouth to stave off starvation. This week's guest who is going to be talking to me about different types of foods is my checks notes brother andrew hello martin thank you for having me on the show no problem at all can you give us a bit of your background in the world of food and why you are talking to me today well i've been working in the food industry for the better part of seven years i've taken a break from that now to pursue a life in academics i'm going to be leaving for university in september but for the last four years i've been working in an italian delicatessen which focuses on cheese, cured meats and Italian wines and then prior to that I was a butcher for three years so I've, I've had a good hand in the fine food uh, industry for a few years now and I'm excited to share with you some of the finer nuances of some cheeses that I've brought today along with a couple of wines. Cheese and wine pairings. Oh yes. Well, you've already beaten Matt in that you've bought a drinks pairing with you, so I'm extremely pleased. Can you tell me a bit about the region? So this is a travel show. We're talking about possibly going to different places in the world. Whereabouts are you taking me today? Well, we're starting off right here in East Sussex with with, with uh, the traditional cheese dairy of Waldron with their... Uh, rind washed soft cheese the Burwash Rose we'll be, and then we're going to be moving south to through France into Switzerland with the Le Gruyere then into northern Italy for the Gorgonzolas and then I've got one surprise cheese which I'll spring on you last minute. That does sound like a better surprise than the one that I gave the last time we did a food episode. The last time I did one, I surprised my previous guest, Matt, with duck tongues, which um, imagine if you're eating a really gristly small barbecue rib that's been that's been marinated in chilli oil. <laughs> yes, I remember when I was um, working at as the butchers, the um, pressed ox tongue was something of a curious delicacy. You would uh, prep, they had a spe- uh, special... Uh, uh, screw press that you put the ox tongue in, spiraled it around and then you just pressed it and then you left it there in cold storage for like two weeks and it, it would just fix in that shape and then when you got it out you'd 
slice it thin and it was it was very curious because it even though it had had um, that two weeks to um, degrade but not uh, perish obviously um, it still retained a lot of its uh, toughness so you had to slice it paper thin in order to actually uh, be able to chew it for starters and then the uh, <laughs> But then the flavours actually permeated through. You had a really deep, rich flavour to it. Anyway, well, uh, well, at least, um, yeah, I mean, at least a tongue from an ox gives you a decent size. <laughs> these these things, you literally took a tiny little bite with your teeth and you got, like, a little bit before you ended up with a bone in your mouth. Um, <laughs> they weren't great. Well, shall we make a start? Yes, so just for people at home, we are currently in East Sussex, which is the county that I'm originally from. I'm just back here for a little bit to see family and get van repairs done. And I always love to promote this place because it is a beautiful bit of the world. And, well, we'll see what the cheeses are like. Mm, indeed. Well, let's start with one of the wine pairings that I've brought with us today. This is the Campo di Torvi Suave Classico by the Inama producer from Veneto, northern northeast Italy. So about halfway between Milan and Venice, right next to Verona, the city of Romeo and Juliet. Which suits me quite well. I'm heading down that way later this summer. Ah, in that case, keep an eye, keep an eye out for it. So I'm just going to pour a little bit here. And before you have a sip, I'm going to show you a little trick to get the most out of a wine tasting so we have here what are called iso glasses um iso they're specially for tasting so what you want to do is i've put my fi uh, fingers on the base of the wine glass and on the table i'm just swirling it around you want to get a good speed going there about 10 seconds or so maybe maybe a little less and I'm, then i'm sure the listeners are getting some great asmr from that with the microphone oh yeah <laughs> But then you put your nose straight in. So you give it a spin. Yeah, give it a really good spin. Because the wine is cold, you should get a nice bit of condensation on the outside of the glass. I don't know and if then... I'm spinning it hard enough. No, that's it's fine, not doing that's that. fine. That's fine. Go on, and then do. really get your nose in there. So you give it a sniff. I'm smelling wine. <laughs> so the trick to um, real food and wine appreciation is similes finding out uh, finding out what you can compare it to so for the nose of this wine you're looking for a kind of citrusy flavours um, okay so I'm looking to smell something sort of lemony mm. even yeah have a, have a try hmm no, no, I suppose. I suppose, suppose, yeah. Okay. Other other so, notes are for uh, tree fruits like apple and even honey, mineral, and e maybe even a smoky tone. It, but of course, everybody's um, receptors for organoleptic testing is um, what's different. What's, what's organoleptic? <laughs> organoleptic is uh, the term for your sense of taste, your sense of smell, and organoleptic testing is where you really get into the nitty-gritty of identifying every aspect of food and drink from the smell the taste the texture the mouth appeal the mouth appeal is where you smell something and you feel yourself start to salivate because you really start to um, get that sensation of this is going to be good 
but you can also have the inverse of that where say if I say sucking a lemon some people's mouths will have just pickled at the idea of it because they know how bitter lemon is and that is an organoleptic response okay so it's so it's sort of the response I get if I smell a margarita pizza with Donna kebab meat on it. <laughs> that yes. kind of thing. Yes, very much so, very much so. So, now let's have a so, chin chin. Chin chin. <laughs> okay, so I'll start by describing it and then you can tell me everything that I'm getting wrong. It's got quite a sharp taste to it. That's that's about the limit of what I'm able to do. Tell yeah. tell me tell me where what I should be describing you, here for you people. You haven't got it wrong at all because the sharpness that you're tasting is the dryness, and that comes from a combination of factors in the wine in the wine production. From the grape being picked, if a grape is in a drier region, there'll be less uh, moisture in the soil for the for the vine to pick up and to distribute into it. So. What you end up with is a, by rule of thumb, the hotter an area is, the drier the wine will be. And we're talking uh, Veneto, northeastern Italy, so they, they get quite a lot of uh, sunshine up there. And uh, in Ar in Arma, where they are, they've got some pretty dry fields. So, so what's what's the what's the chemical that causes that dryness? Because presumably, oh, oh, oh. presumably, if you're looking at like a sweet wine that's where it is drawing in more water so if you've got an absence of that what what's causing that well, dry we, taste well that's slightly uh back to front there's a sweeter wine will be where the sugars of the grape are left so if you so if you have less moisture it will be supplement less moisture in the soil less water will make it into the fruit so we're so you will have a uh gosh i I have been told the uh, name of the chemical, but it's completely gone from my head now. I'm sure someone out there will be going, is screaming into the, <laughs> screaming at their podcast, going, "It's this!" Uh, but um, if you have a, a drier region, you end up with a drier wine, and vice versa. If you have a more wet region, like we do in the UK, we are actually benefiting from climate change, where the weather that was over the Champagne region say 100 years ago is now because of climate change over us so a few vineyards around here are making sparkling wines that are more like champagne in the early 20 early 20th century than champagne is producing today and the french are seething <laughs> they <laughs> I are seething imagine. at this I, I have read yeah the english sparkling wine industry is beginning to take off it's it's starting to be our thing yeah and uh, the french are seething because they've gone it's not it is not real champagne but um we're kind of going we know it's not real champagne no it's better <laughs> <laughs> so yeah let me uh, top up your glass whilst we start off with our first cheese which is the Burwash Rose by the traditional cheese dairy here in Waldron, made by a chap called Andy Delves. I've met him a few times, really nice man. So, if you grab your knife. Yep. And we've got some crackers here, nice and plain, Fort's Bath Oliver. So you get a nice, healthy chunk and get it on yep. your cracker. Some of the bits of doing a food episode don't necessarily work in the audio medium. What Andrew's taken there is something about the size of his thumb. Mm. So here you go. If you have you have that one, I'll uh, get another one. So this one you can eat to the rind. 
There are some cheeses where you can't eat the rind because you'll have a you'll have a, some nasties growing on it. But the the rind washed cheeses, which is an example of this one, where the rind well the cheese gets washed every day, and that make it gives it a stronger nose. So if you have a smell of it, you'll get some of the flavours coming through already. Yep, smells like my boots. <laughs> so have a taste. Hang on, for the ASMR types. What a crunch. <laughs> mm. So, tell me what do you think? Yeah, so it's quite a light cheese, that one. It is the sort of thing where I think I could eat a whole block of it in one go on a cracker. Because it doesn't... It's creamy, but it doesn't really have much in terms of a taste mm. as such but I imagine with this sort of soft cheese it's not really supposed to is it? Well the thing is the UK has some pretty strict um, food hygiene laws and one of them is pretty much you cannot use unpasteurised milk in your cheese can't do it we have that rule here so we so a lot of producers have to use pasteurised milk and pasteurised milk will always Null the flavour quite what? a bit. So why why does it do that? Um, the it, during the pasteurisation process, you have to heat up the milk, which um, will get rid of some of the fats to it. And fat is what carries flavour. Everyone who has a cappuccino, the reason they get so much flavour is because the fat that froths up carries the flavour. You're increasing the surface area, and that's what makes a cappuccino such a rich drink. So when you get um, people going into, say, um, uh, <laughs> to avoid copyright, uh, Barbucks. Barbucks, to... yeah, yeah. Very, very good. <laughs> I don't think we need to worry about that. We've got like six listeners and one of them's you. <laughs> but if you get ever hear someone going into a Barbucks and they, ha and they <clears throat> say, oh, I'll have a skinny cappuccino, what's happening there is they're asking for the fatty coffee without the fat in it and and the and the bigger producers were pretty savvy going okay to have something with less fat in it will count as you know skinny because the fat will the fat is what makes the froth if you've ever tried making a cappuccino at home with if you have a fancy coffee machine and with skimmed used, milk with skimmed milk you won't get the froth it just won't be there same with oat milk it just won't be there. You have to have special barista skimmed milk. You have to have special barista oat milk, which has artificial fats introduced to it to give it the viscosity that allows it to froth up and foam up. Okay. And essentially, that's the reason why this Burwash Rose doesn't necessarily taste of that much. It's because it's been made with this pasteurised milk. Yeah, a lot of British cheeses are... It are heavily impacted by this. In fact, there is one producer um, uh, further, further north, I can't quite remember what they're called, uh, the, the area they're from, but they, the company was called Baron by God, and they used to make, um, br well, they still do make brie, but they used to make unpas they used to make it with unpasteurized milk, same as Brie de Mo in France, you know, and they had, they had it to an art. They had it sussed. And then environmental health come around and say, no, you can't do that. Well, 
the whole reason we're doing this is because we have an authentic brie style soft cheese here that's british made with british milk and they go yeah well you'll have to have it authenticated as safe now okay well how do you do that oh you'll need to get it sent to a center to have it tested and because of brexit we can't just send it straight to the nearest center which is in france oh <laughs> no the sample would have to be sent from their dairy round to australia so that they can get a stamp saying this is from australia get it sent to france have it tested then it would be returned to australia then it would be returned to the uk this is milk we're dealing with i'm so pleased that we've taken back control <laughs> that's what sovereignty yeah, I, sounds like i i feel i feel so in control with my tasteless cheese uh yeah and it, it's a real shame because they they've had they they tried appealing it but they sad and i think they're still trying to fight it but for the time being they've had to stop using pasteurized milk and we saw when when i was working at the deli the um we saw that hit hard as soon as soon as they started saying right well it's pasteurized it, you know we're, we're trying to downplay that we're hoping people won't notice they noticed yeah sales dropped from through the floor people went back to the breed demo from france because we were able to import that as unpasteurized milk and that's and that's what happened that's, it's a really sad story that's the other bit that just kind of interests me is that you're allowed to sell this imported cheese that is unpasteurized milk but we're not actually allowed to make our own cheese in that way yeah and that's that is essentially down to this stamp thing that you were saying pretty much pretty much yeah there's a combination of quite a few things there because of you of course brexit means we can't exactly do free commerce with europe and we and by and by having the milk having british milk tested in france apparently that is a whole um oh you're letting the french and the eu dictate what's good for us no and but if uh, we send it to the aussies it's basically the same thing but yeah it's it's a bureau it's a bureaucratic sidestep it really is but it's um yeah hmm. but um one thing i i didn't uh get into yeah sorry but we we have we have just been bitching about how bland this cheese is but do you want to do you want to actually explain to me why you've picked this and why why it's good it's a it's a good it's a good cheese because it's a really nice mild flavor and generally speaking Brit, <clears throat> uh, the british public really like their mild flavors i was tempted to get a uh, a cheese called the Delice de Bourgogne in, which is made by the French. And it's essentially a triple cream cheese. Beautifully sweet, beautifully mild. And the funny story about it is the French made it for the English market because <laughs> those, those English pigs, they, they cannot appreciate good cheese, so we give them the hint stuff. You know, it, it's essentially a cheese equivalent of champagne. You know, oh, we give them the hint stuff. Oh, well, then... Yeah, because champagne was originally made for the English market, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, but the thing is, it's like, well, given this fizzy stuff that's gone off. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And the thing is, it was really popular over here. And because it was popular over here, the French are going, Hang on, we, um, we, have, we can't, we, we want it, we want it now. Because it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like the equivalent of a five-year-old, like throwing their toys out the pram. And as soon as they see their other sibling um, playing with it, they're going, we want it back. <laughs> Just, that's mine. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but the but the curious thing about um, this one, pair, and I've paired it with the Campo de Torre Vizuave Classico because 
with a smooth creamy cheese you want to pair it with a sharp cutting wine that cuts through the uh, creaminess and gives a nice contrast a juxtaposition on your taste buds so you end up with the soft creaminess and then the sharp sting of the uh, slight acidity of the wine yeah it does make for a nice contrast between the two mm. which i'm learning because i drink more and more of this wine mm. Mm. so let's have a go at another cheese okay what's next number two the internationally renowned Ligruria from switzerland now this is one that even i've heard of so yeah you can readily get this from supermarkets and pre-cuts but i've also got this one from the deli as well because they get the full wheels or at least parts of the full wheel i mean the i mean the whole wheel is about a meter across okay give or take so let's uh get a oh there we go i'll just uh cut a few sticks here so you can include this on your cracker if you want or you can go straight into it and just have it like a um a Ooh, bite. just just eat it bareback mm, indeed again nice i mean it's got more taste to it you could grate it over pasta andrew can you explain to the listener what i'm supposed to be describing <laughs> no it, you're you're not wrong martin you're not wrong it's um the the idea is to just expand with comparison so um for for the Liguria, it's commonly um described as having a nutty taste to it oh yeah yeah, yeah i'm getting that yeah and that that's that's essentially it you find things that you think it tastes like and then you just describe it as well say as you say it as you taste it really so you've got the smoothness i personally detect a smidge of chalkiness to it but i find that endearing to the whole to the whole ensemble but it gives it a nice full-bodied mouth appeal which kind of gives you a nice um pick, pickling sensation in the back of your throat as you get get a nice uh, mouthful of the legruya and it's mm. well the texture itself like you say it's just something that can bite down on a bit more mm. yeah and an ever so slight crunch from the crystallization because what's crystallization so the so um in cheese especially the legruya um they're aged for about nine months and that's a long that's a long time for milk to essentially um <laughs> sit, on sit, the shelf sit there curdling yeah pretty much um I mean, of course, the process of making cheese is um, uh, adding a bit of animal rennet, which is a bit of a animal stomach acid, which separates the curds and the whey, and then you extract the curds into a press, press it down, and then from there, let it age and let it dry, dry out and age. Um, when you leave a cheese to age for nine months, a year, or longer, what happens is the lactose it perishes, within it so cheeses like the Gruyere, parmesan comte uh those kind of like, like the hard cheeses the hard cheese yeah very hard the, cheese not, your, like, ched, not like, your ched like the hard cheeses that you get grated on your pasta at an italian restaurant yeah they'll they'll have not a zero lactose but a lower lactose so um my my girlfriend my girlfriend uh is lactose intolerant and uh she so I've given her uh, bits of Ligruya as well, and she tried not to eat too much of it because it, if you eat, if you're still lactose intolerant and you eat too much of it, 
then it will disagree with you. But if you have a little bit of it, your body can assimilate it and uh, process it well enough because it's reduced lactose or very, le very less active lactose in it. That's so you go. So it's a cheese for everybody. <laughs> very much so. <coughs> probably, it probably lends itself to international success. When we were, uh, I think it was just before COVID, we had this care package from Le Gruyere, and it was essentially a um, advert for preaching to the choir. But it wasn't just a letter and a leaflet. No, 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 no. This was a, um, you know, those electric um, envelopes that you open and it starts playing a recorded message. And oh, like the like the birthday cards. Yeah, yeah. You open up. Imagine that, but but with a miniature TV screen in it. That's pretty. That's pretty fancy. That that make it's every now and again things happen where I think wow I'm living in the future um, yeah that sounds like one of those kind of things yeah we... in fact I think Futurama did have a bit where they had <laughs> some video cards yeah but it it was there and what's more it had look, it had like two volume buttons and a button a button on the left saying one button button on the right saying two and a screen about about, about the size of a small phone screen now but you just opened it and it start play, started playing a video about the origins of Ligruya and then the other one was about how they source the milk and how they produce and actually how they produce it and it's just like in, good. In, living in the future in, in a greetings card in a, greet, <laughs> in a greetings card yeah no no bigger than um say so maybe 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 20 centimeters across you know it, you know it, it was um I, I just remember opening it thinking Oh, is it some kind of care package? Where's the rest of it? And I must have opened it just enough to trigger the video, and it just comes to life, and I'm holding it in my hands, going, "What? Oh my fucking god! <laughs> oh, this exists! Oh, oh! So, and if you think about it, they've sent this to a very small, sh a very small shop. I mean, when I was working there, there were only about yeah, five or yeah, six people working. Yeah, a tiny there. deli in the middle of East Sussex. So they yeah. must have sent thousands of these things out, and tens of thousands worldwide. Uh, worldwide and presumably in different languages as well because Switzerland where it, it was the videos were in English oh well they all speak perfect English uh, but it uh, the the idea just how big that their, their um, marketing budget must be in order to have these essentially miniature TVs um, <laughs> posted around to everyone everyone who sells cheese and it, it was amazing because they because they sent loads of stuff with it they sent like a couple of uh, caps they sent like posters and everything they oh yeah it was like, like wow and they gave that to us for free just because we sell their cheese no like, like, even the sacklers don't do that when they're trying to hook fentanyl that's <laughs> that is something else no no so, so, so. where where is Le Gruyere, I mean, I'm assuming it's from the French-speaking bit of Switzerland, but um, where, whereabouts in particular? Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's in the French board. It's in the French side. Uh, not French side. Uh, Swiss. The it's Fren within the Swiss. The a, French bit of Switzerland. Yeah, this, yeah west, southwest, near uh, Lake Geneva. And yeah. uh, from the town, Gruyere's. And, yeah, they've been, doing, they've been making this cheese for the better part of ooh, 120 years, I think. They 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 uh they are definitely some of the world's veterans in cheese making. You know, if aliens come from another planet and go, we challenge you to a cheese off. You know, Gruyere's going to be on the front line, going, bring it on. 
Yeah, we're going to be sending the Swiss out. Well, oh, yeah. it's, it's about time Swiss fought a war for us. <laughs> they've, they've, been, they've been shirking on that for a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, okay, so. Um, I'm going to grab the second wine as we move <clears throat> on to cheeses three and four. And that is where we might end part one for the moment. And we will come back for a bit more cheese. So Ooh. stick around. Woo!